The last of the great human freedoms is the ability to choose one's attitude in any given circumstance. And I can extract myself from the suffering because my attitude can trump my ego's frustration about the situation if I lock in power of my mind to choose differently. I'm gonna master this thing called teaching and I'm gonna do whatever it takes, I'm gonna travel whatever distance, I'm gonna pay whatever price to give my service of love across this planet. And I'm not gonna let any human being on the face of this planet stop me, not even myself. And genius is available in all of us in the area of our highest value when we care enough intrinsically to be inspired to go after solving those problems. It's, it's waiting for all of us to do that. We can expand our awareness, consciousness, to expand who we are as beings into this new human being that we're becoming. It's the tension and the contrast that actually helps to push us through to the next level of evolution. Our cells have consciousness and so does the bacteria. So we can also tune into our bodies and, and work with our bodies more knowing that and appreciating these billions of points of consciousness. Now when that change takes place, the momentum that's created in our life from that moment on is monumental insights, the wisdom, the guidance, the direction, the spontaneous goodness, serendipity, coincidence, things start to work together for good because we're now in a flow of our personal mind, but we're in the flow of the mind of God. Welcome to the High Performance Health Podcast. This is a show entirely devoted to the exploration of physical vitality, emotional well-being, and mental fitness. I'm your host and tour guide, Ronnie Landis. I'm a multiple published author, international speaker, performance health coach, global activist, and wellnesspreneur. So buckle your seat, get ready to take notes, and enjoy the ride. It's go time. Before we dive into today's episode, I want to share a very unique opportunity to be part of an incredible community and project I have launched called the Holistic Sovereignty Inner Circle. This is my new digital community platform that my team and I have created to provide an online educational portal to empower students to take their health, their lifestyle goals, their entrepreneurial endeavors, and their overall lives to the next level. This is really the dream platform that I've been wanting to create for years that provides students with a sensor-free digital community group access to bi-weekly coaching calls led by me as well as other guest experts, access to my private digital research archive on everything under the sun, and even opportunities to receive one-on-one mentorship by me. If you enjoyed the content I create through these podcasts, then you will love being part of my private inner circle membership platform, and the benefits you receive will be invaluable to say the least. You can find out more information by going to www.ronnieinnercircle.com. That's www.ronnieinnercircle.com and discover if this opportunity is a perfect fit for you. Again, the website is www.ronnieinnercircle.com. Now, on with the show. Greetings and aloha. Welcome to another edition of the Holistic Human Optimization Show. I'm your host, Ronnie Landis, and this is season four, episode number three, 
And our topic today is on cleansing and detoxification. So again, this series is all about longevity enhancing strategies. And uh, this is a topic I've been waiting to get to for a while and something that is near and dear to my heart, something that I've talked about quite extensively for, you know, since the since I really began my journey into the holistic health world and the deeper I've gotten into it, it becomes more and more of a theme that I'm talking to with individuals, talking to with groups, all of my programs. It's a theme that I think we all need to become intimately aware of and implement into our daily strategies, cleansing and detoxification. Now, these words, these terms, cleansing, detoxing, detox protocols, these can get somewhat confusing, especially for someone that's just getting their feet wet in all of this. Because there are interchangeable meanings to the words cleansing, detoxing, um, all the different protocols, ideas out there. And uh, we're going to get into that. We're going to demystify this process. We're going to talk about the difference between a cleanse, between a detox, the necessity for all of these things to be inter, uh, or I should say integrated into our daily lifestyle And the first place to start is just understanding that we live in a world that is overrun with environmental toxins of all kinds. We've talked about that before. Many of you are very, very well well aware of this. You know, things like heavy metals from industry, things like radioisotopes, radioactive minerals or metals, um, xenobiotics or xenoestrogens, fake estrogens basically in the form of pesticides of all kinds, in the form of plastics, plasticizers, phthalates, PCBs, um, so many different things that because of the advent of the industrial revolution and industry and what we call as civilization or let's just call it society and the technological innovations And also the wrong use of technology, particularly the plastic industry, um, chemical fertilizers, agriculture, pesticides, heavy metals, as we mentioned, the radiation pollution in our world, and also taking into consideration the Wi-Fi fields in our world, too, are a form of toxins. All of these things have created a burden on the human body. An incredible burden. And it's actually very incredible that all of us have been able to not only thrive to some extent, but to survive at all with all of the chemical burden that we have been placed upon, that's been placed upon us. And so there's a few different ideas that are worth mentioning and talking about here. Uh, One of them is the idea that Cleansing and detoxing may be more important to longevity than just nutrifying ourselves, meaning that the type of nutrition strategy and supplement strategy and dietary strategy that we implement in our life is only one part of the equation. The other part of the equation is cleansing and detoxification. And that may be more important overall than just nutrition alone. Now, obviously, the idea is that we want to stack the odds in our favor. We want to stack the deck so full 
that the probability is thrival, not just survival, but thrival. That is the idea here. And we're going to get into different themes, different ideas, and uh, we're going to jump into it. So the first thing I want to talk about is an idea that I really worked out many, many years ago when I was working out my own type of strategy, implementing a lot of the different philosophies, a lot of the ideas, a lot of the approaches and the strategies in trying to simplify a particular process for transformation. And I landed on something that I call the three stages of progression. So the three stages of progression go like this detoxification, experimentation, and then integration. Now, this is a theme that you can take into basically any area of your life and achieve success. And when it comes to health and vitality, it is very spot on. So basically, the first stage is detoxification. Detoxification in this context, and we're going to go deeper into what that really means, is essentially removing the obstructions, removing, cleansing, and detoxing away the things that are getting in the way of our optimum state of being, our optimum nutrition strategy, our optimal lifestyle, our optimal state of being. Sometimes we're so busy trying to add things on that we're building on a faulty foundation. And if that faulty foundation, i.e. your body, is loaded up with toxic material, then it's not going to serve the ultimate purpose of health thrival if you're just adding things on. You know, it's like the sculptor. The sculptor doesn't just add more layers of clay. The sculptor actually has to refine out the clay until the masterpiece is revealed. Very similar idea here is that we are clearing out the obstructions. We're clearing out the unnecessary layers of material and matter. Call that physical matter. Call that psychic matter, emotional matter, spiritual matter. We're essentially we're removing the density and layers of density so we can get to the masterpiece within, right? And so you have to clear out the system. You have to clean out the system and get to the raw material. And then from that place... Once you've done a lot of the stripping away process, then you get into something called experimentation. Now, experimentation is basically where you start experimenting with the menu board of the universe in a dietary perspective. You're experimenting with all the different options that are available to you. Now, why this phase is so important is because you want to experiment with things from a clean sensory perspective, meaning that you have the sensitivity because you've cleaned out a lot of the obstructions that were leaving you insensitive, unable to sense what your body really truly wants, what your body is really attracted to, right? And we've talked. I think we've talked a little bit about this idea before. So now you're more sensitive. You're more opened up. You're more available to sense what actually feels good. So now you're experimenting with different options, fruits, vegetables, nuts, seeds, seaweeds, sprouts, grain grass powders, vegetable juices. Um, Maybe you're experimenting with different animal foods, right? We're going to get into a little bit about that as well. Whatever the case is, you're experimenting with new options to see what really feels good, what works in the moment. And then the third phase is integration. Now you're able to integrate what works well for you right now 
and create a nutrition strategy that's going to work more long-term moving forward. So again, the three stages of progression, detoxification, experimentation, and then integration. Very important lens to look through because it just simplifies things. If you don't have some kind of pathway, some kind of progressive approach um, that keeps you moving in a, in a unified direction, a singular direction, it's easy to hopscotch. It's easy to get confused. It's easy to hop from one thing to another and skip steps along the way. And, uh, you know, you can't really skip steps along the way. You actually have to go through the cycle and then you come out the other end and you become a new version of you or a new version of a strategy that you're looking to adopt that's going to help you thrive into the future. So there you go. Those are the three stages or three phases of progression. And uh, what I want to talk about right now is the difference between cleansing and detoxing. Now, these things get used interchangeably. People believe that a cleanse and a detox is the same thing. They're not exactly the same thing. They're both part and parcel to the ultimate directive, the ultimate journey of cleaning out the body and transforming the physical body, transforming all mental, emotional, spiritual as well, but transforming the human being ultimately who is housed in a physical body. That's why we have to go to the body and clean out the gunk that's in the body so the human nervous system is more sensitive and the sensory system is more clean and clear so you ultimately can feel what works and what doesn't work and navigate that puzzle more effectively. Okay, so cleansing. Ultimately, what cleansing is is what I would equate as more of a, a, a short-term approach. Now, that doesn't mean it's an it's a ineffective or a wrong approach. Approach Cleansing is very important. Now, when we think of cleansing, we might think of like a juice cleanse, maybe a three-day, a seven-day, a 21-day juice cleanse where you are literally cleansing the body, particularly removing mostly water-soluble toxins, helping to clear out the digestive tract, maybe helping to um, bring more harmony into the digestive system, the intestinal system, and overall helping to bring back your blood pH back from maybe a slightly acidic balance to an alkaline balance. So in one level, cleansing is more superficial on the surface um, than what we call a, a, a strict detox, right? Again, doesn't mean cleansing is ineffective or, or worse than. It's a necessary pathway to get into a deeper detox. But a cleanse is mostly, I would say, mostly water-soluble toxin removal. Um, and we're going to talk about the, the pathways or the channels of elimination that are built into the body. Your body is designed to cleanse and detox itself naturally. And that's what we want to do. We want to help the body do what it's designed to do. And a lot of these designer detox product programs, if you only stick to those programs, but you don't construct an overall lifestyle, then they're basically going to be band-aids or they're going to be, you're going to kind of have a codependency on these things. So this is an overall lifestyle approach and philosophy that we're developing out here. So um, that that's the basic idea of on a cleanse, right? Now, when we talk about a detox, detoxification 
This is a deeper level of toxin removal, focusing on both water-soluble toxins, but also stripping away fat-soluble toxins as well. This also helps to boost the body's own internal detoxification and elimination system. So this is a much deeper approach. Um, If you think of something like water fasting, for example, that will take your body into its own detoxification process. Now, there's different forms of detoxification, and there's actually a process or a phaseology of detoxification, which which we might as well just talk about right now. So there's something called phase one and phase two detoxification. This also can be, this also gets called phase one, phase two, and phase three detoxification. I'm going to simplify this a little bit for the benefit of everyone listening and just focus on phase one and phase two as an overall picture. If you want to get a lot more technical, you would also include phase three, but for simplicity's sake, we're just going to call it phase one and phase two. Now, Simply speaking, phase one is essentially where you're shaking up the fish tank. So the analogy would be this. If you have a fish tank and you're just adding fish flakes, i.e. food, physical food, that could be raw foods, superfoods, herbs, uh, animal foods, whatever the case is, you're adding in fish flakes or food into the fish tank, but you don't change out the water All you're doing is throwing more matter, more material into the fish tank, and there's going to be nutritional benefit to that, but the problem is the liquid medium, the water in the fish tank, i.e. your blood and lymph fluids and all the different fluids that make up your physical body, let's call it the water matrix of your body, it continues to get corroded, and you don't necessarily see the corrosion or the, the toxins floating on the surface, right? It takes a long time for that fish tank to be noticeably toxic, meaning murky water, dirty, kind of like even noticing the bacterial infections, the bacterial buildup in the water. It takes a while to notice that. But underneath the surface, underneath the rocks and the sand, if you shake up the fish tank very quickly, you will see the obstructions start to rise up to the surface right? And you have to change out the water. That's the key here. Before you start putting a ton of fish fish flakes, i.e. food, nutrients, you start throwing all that into the the water, you got to clean out the water, right? That's the basic idea here. So phase one is you're starting to shake up the fish tank and you're introducing higher quality liquids. So that could be spring water. That can be green vegetable juices, That could even be higher quality um, superfood smoothies. That can even be raw living foods. We'll talk a little bit more of that from a cleansing perspective. But you're changing out the water medium of the fish tank, i.e. your body. And now a lot of the, the toxins that have been submerged underneath the surface start to rise to the surface. So in your cells, which are basically like water bags that store these toxins, They are being protected, essentially, because your body has built-in buffer systems to buffer from toxicity. So your body has ways of buffering the toxins that it doesn't know how to deal with because the elimination channels over time get blocked up. And again, we're going to go into that a little bit later. I'm just kind of setting the stage for it. So again, 
phase one would be more of the cleansing approach. You're starting to clean out the water medium of the body, the blood, the lymph fluids, etc. And now these toxins are starting to be catalyzed and they're starting to rise up into the surface. They're starting to rise up into the bloodstream. Now, this is a very important distinction that we have to make about cleansing and detoxing is that phase one would be like cleansing, right? Now, you can't stop there, especially if the elimination channels, particularly the kidneys, have been blocked up and they're not functioning optimally because that's your filtration system. That's how your body eliminates water-soluble toxins. And that's the first thing to rise to the surface. Fat-soluble toxins typically come a little bit later as you get deeper into the, the deeper into the, the detox layers here. Now, if you just stick with that and you don't go into phase two, then what can happen is you can release a ton of these toxins, which when they meet up with the blood medium, they become what's called bioreactive. And this is where somebody can have what's called a healing crisis or in technical terms, it's called a Hertz Heimer syndrome, a Hertzheimer syndrome. We basically call this the shock zone, right? The shock zone is basically where your body gets shocked because now your body is releasing toxins that are bioreactive and phase two is what's called chelation. Phase two, or they might call this phase three, but I'm just combining those two for simplicity's sake. The next phase of de- this is detoxification, where we step, start stepping into that is where we detox. Now, if you don't do the chelation, you might end up retoxing, meaning that those toxins that are being brought up into the blood can recirculate if your elimination channels are not properly working. So you can retoxify yourself, and this happens all the time especially in the early days of the raw food um, movement and culture, before chelation therapy was well understood, a lot of people were doing tons of juice cleansing, water fasting, all this kind of thing, but they didn't have any understanding on how to remove the mobilized toxins, how to actually effectively remove them from the system. So they just recirculate back into the system, and actually that can create somebody getting really, really sick. That's the Hertzheimer syndrome or the shock zone, the shock syndrome, right? Having a healing crisis. Now, it's my opinion and my perspective that the the shock zone or the healing crisis is not necessarily a necessary part of the process. Now, everybody's different. Everybody's coming from a different um, a different position, right? If somebody has been loaded up with toxins for so long in their life and they've never done a cleanse, they've never really changed their diet, they're just getting into it, you have to walk people incrementally through the process. Because if you just put them on a cleanse right out the gate with no buffering material, no chelation tools, then they can have a seriously hard time and it could actually be very detrimental. So you've got to put in the right strategies to buffer the toxins coming up and then to remove them. Again, that's called chelation. This is where we get into detoxification. So let's talk about that for a second. So when we talk about chelation, what we're talking about is certain um, designer detox products or materials, usually earth compounds, that can help to either bind, glob onto, 
or magnetically adsorb, meaning that the 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 um, magnetic polarity of these toxins, because toxins are um, they're negatively charged. I mean, they're positively charged. Excuse me. They have a positive charge or a positive pull to them, and then these designer detox products, these earth compounds have a negative charge, a negative pull, and then it magnetically binds together, i.e. it is attracted to it. And then that's how it's able to pull it out of the elimination system, either through the skin, through the lungs, the colon, or the kidneys. And that also gives your liver more ability to do what it's designed to do, one of the main functions that your liver does, it's the filtration, it's the largest organ in the body. So it's a filtration organ, and it also is a detoxification organ. We'll talk a little bit uh, more about that as we go along here. I just want to break down this concept for everybody. So what are some of these earth compounds that I'm talking about? I'm talking about things like bentonite clay, I'm talking about things like all colored clays because you, once you get into the clay world, um, you might see like red clay and, and um, different different forms of clay, bentonite clay again, um, things like this. All forms of clay and we're talking about things like zeolites. We're talking, things, talking about things like chlorella. We're talking about things like activated charcoal, hardwood charcoal or coconut charcoal right? There's other modalities as well. Those are all of my favorites. And these help to either bind on or in in, in activated charcoal, it helps to adsorb. There's a magnetic polarity where those toxins are magnetically pulled to the surface of the charcoal and escorted out of the body that way. So one of the ideas here that I just I just came to my mind that I thought is worth mentioning is there's a study called geophagy. Now, geophagy is really the study of of consuming earth compounds. Now, this is a natural thing that has been documented throughout all indigenous cultures and it's also a phenomenon that occurs with all mammalian animals, all mammalian species. So when a let's say for example, an elephant or something, they consume too many alkaloids, too many bitter alkaloids in a wild plant, maybe a dandelion or whatever the, whatever the heck else an elephant or some other animal may be eating, they can accumulate an alkaloid burden, meaning they can accumulate more toxins built up in their body from these plants because plants have a natural defense system built into it so they don't get eaten out of out of production, they have to be able to repopulate themselves, right? So they have a certain protection mechanism. We call these alkaloids. Alkaloids are also medicines. Alkaloids can be medicines, but in the high enough dosage, they can be toxic to the liver, right? Your liver can't process these bitter medicines quick enough. And so it becomes toxic. And there's a natural instinct with these animals to start digging up clay, start digging up into the earth and consuming earth compounds, which will naturally detox the burden of alkaloids or whatever other toxins, plant toxins they may be consuming. This is the same thing with humans. Now, in our domesticated society, we really don't think about this. This is not something that's familiar to us, but in indigenous tribes this is a natural wild instinct, particularly among 
mothers or mothers to be, their instincts are higher, high, are more highly alert, and so they're more connected to these cycles. And um, you know, women in particular, mothers in particular, mothers to be, I should say, are known to do a very similar thing. So that's called geophagy. That's the study of consuming earth compounds. That's a very important point that I'm glad came to my mind here. And, um, you know, we could go deeper into into that particular topic, but I just wanted to make that point. I just wanted to overview and articulate that because that is that's basically how you can distinct between cleansing and detoxing. They're both critical. They're both important. And they both are a combination of one another for an overall kind of uh, rejuvenation process. Now, as we move forward, I want to talk about a natural cleansing approach from a dietary perspective. Now, we've talked about different diets, different approaches. I want to talk about it from the from the perspective of short-term diets, healing and therapeutic diets, and leading into long-term sustainability diets because the purpose of cleansing and detoxing is to clean the slate, right? Obviously, you want to implement this into your overall lifestyle, but there is there is a certain sequence of events when it comes to healing and transformation. And so from that stage of progression level, we've gone through the cleansing, the detoxing. That would be a certain type of dietary approach. Now, I'm not going to go super deep into all the different nuances of that or all the different ideas around that. Let's just say that there is a short-term healing therapeutic approach, and then there's a long-term rebuilding, sustainable, longevity approach. Once you've cleaned out the faulty foundation, you need to start rebuilding the foundation and start rebuilding the house, i.e. your body and your nervous system and your brain and all that, all your organs and your glands and your hormone systems, etc. So we're going to go with that. Now, let's talk about raw living food diets. For the most part, my perspective over the last 11 or 12 years now is that raw living food diets mostly serve as natural cleansing approaches. And most people that have gone through these different approaches figure this out too, which is that most people cannot sustain a 100% living foods, raw food diet over a long period of time. Everybody's different. I have a number of friends that have been into the living food movement for 10, 15, 20, even upwards to 30 and 40 years. One of my my mentors and colleagues, Dr. Gabriel Cousins, Dr. Brian Clement, um, you know, my friend Christopher Aaron, number of other proponents of raw living foods, they've been pulling this off. Not to say they don't ever or have not had any cooked food, but dominantly speaking, they're they're all vegan. That's an important part of this too. Veganism fits into this as well. Now, I really would love to do an entire episode, and maybe at some point I will, not right now, on, on what veganism or vegan diets actually are. Because you get a lot of people, especially on the internet, that say like, you know, veganism is not a long-term approach. You can't have health, sustainable health long-term on the vegan diet. And that's not really true. Now, it might be true, and it might be true for a lot of people. However, the problem is you have to define what the vegan diet is. There is so many ways 
to conduct a vegan diet, i.e. excluding all animal foods, there's veganism, which includes vegan products or bee products, right? And then there, you know, there's so many different approaches that how can you say, oh, the vegan diet doesn't work as if the vegan diet is one thing. It's not one thing. It's many, many iterations. There's many subsets. Raw vegan is different than cooked vegan. And even when you look at the raw vegan diet, now you have even more options to choose from than you did with just an organic cooked vegan diet. You guys see what I'm saying? You got to think critically and you got to think individualistically, not just generally, not just over the wide population of people, because everybody is metabolically different. Everybody is coming from a different stage of their microbiome health. Some people need different things at different times. And one last thing I'll say about this, and this will tie into where we're going, is that if you are going to conduct a vegan diet or experiment, however you want to think about it, and you're going to do it long term, then you have to think in stages. You have to think in cycles, right? Because when you do cleansing, when you do short-term elimination style dieting, there is going to be a process where you need to rebuild. There is going to be an anabolic process. There is going to be a rebuilding process. You can't just cleanse, cleanse, cleanse for years on end. And I know so many people that have done that. I did that for a while and it was great for a while and then it wasn't so great <laughs> after a while and I had to rebuild. I actually had to go back to consuming eggs and certain animal products because I had gone into such a, a metabolic deficit that because I just wasn't paying attention. People are like, wow, you're, you're starting to get really skinny. Like, I don't know. And I, I was so early on in my journey. I was so excited and so sure that this was the thing. And I was eating so much fruit, which was great. It felt great. My skin was awesome, but my musculature and my, my sports performance and my, my overall health and hormone system was not reflecting that immediate kind of spark of sugar energy that I was getting. So it took me a minute to actually look in the mirror and realize like, oh my gosh, like where did all my muscle go? And where, what happened to my eyes? Why are they so sunken in? What's going on with my, like, I, I feel like my skin is like, like super tight. Um, I went through that. A lot of people go through that. Now that was good because I got to have firsthand experience into what it was like to go so deep into my reserves. And I got to learn, okay, there's certain building material. There's certain in between building blocks or approaches where I can start to build back these hormonal systems and start getting my musculature back in check, start getting my metabolism back in check, start building my immune system back up. So if I do want to be a vegan, a vegetarian or a dominant raw foodist long term, I may have to do some short term rebuilding using animal products because I may not be able to fully rebuild with just plant-based material because of the deficit that I went into. So the reason I bring that up is because, you know, people get so myopic, they get so like narrow focused and there's usually an ideology like the vegan ideology or in the paleo sense, like they, most paleo people don't do any cleansing whatsoever, like any real cleansing and detoxing. And by the way, if you're eating animal foods, you can't really do an authentic detox. 
in my opinion. You can't really do it because it actually requires you to strip away the dominant source of fat-based calories and protein-based calories for a period of time so you can clean out the layers of mucus and the different other buffering compounds or the the, the, the density essentially. You got to clear that stuff out so you can rebuild from a clean slate. So these are a few perspectives I think are important. Now let's circle back to raw living food diets. So a great way to look at it, and we're talking about like fruits and vegetables, green vegetable juices, sprouts, grass powders, superfoods, um, superfood smoothies, things of this nature, sprouted nuts and seeds, right? You get, that's key. Sprouted, germinated, activated, bioavailable nuts and seeds, not the nuts that you find in the whatever the 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 um the bins at Whole Foods or something. That's not what I'm talking about. That that can lead to what's called fungal toxicity, mold toxins or mycotoxins. That can lead to digestive distress. It will lead to digestive distress. If you're eating a ton of nuts that have not been properly germinated and activated, the amino acids, fatty acids, um, the sugars, the, the minerals, all that, they will be unavailable and you're actually going to be able to bind on to your minerals, your zinc and, and chromium, selenium, et cetera, et cetera, because these nuts – in their unactivated form, they have what are called phytates or phytic acid or enzyme inhibitors that bind onto you know, your vital nutrients, your vital minerals. It can lead to deficiencies, particularly zinc deficiency, which is of high concern in the vegan diet unless you know how to get it from your food, right? Sprouted pumpkin seeds and pumpkin seed butter, for example. Um, Okay, so we're not going to go into all the different raw living food diets. I just want to make that point, natural cleansing approach. I think everybody should have that experience, whether it's for three months, it's for six months, it's for a year, it's for two years, whatever it is, everybody should have that experience for themselves because it will increase your intuitive sensibility about what foods actually work really well for you and what kind of materials are you going to build from. And it becomes a strategy that you can return back to anytime you want to enter into seasonal detoxification. No matter what your dietary program process strategy is, animal foods, no animal foods, it doesn't really matter because what you learn from raw living foods and herbalism is you learn how to heal yourself. You learn how to use medicinal plants. You learn how to use alkaline forming plants to help cleanse. And, and believe me, if you're eating a ton of animal foods, you're going to need to cleanse. There's one thing about animal foods, particularly meat-based foods with a lot of fat in it, is that the fat becomes a storage container for environmental toxins. Fat actually accumulates in the fat tissue through what's called bioaccumulation. And this is why when you do cleansing and detoxing, you do have to strip the, the fat layers, the excess fat that's been built up because a lot of that excess fat is actually toxins being stored in the fat deposits. Your body has to produce more fat cells or fat um, around the cell essentially 
to store the excess toxins that your body can no longer deal with. The elimination channels, again, are not working very well. We need to get colonics. We need to get enemas. We need to clean out the intestines and the colon, right, in order for in the liver and the gallbladder. And the, the gallbladder is really designed to break down fat in the form of through, through bile and to, to cleanse out that way. But if you have fatty liver disease or a fatty liver condition, then your body is going to produce excess amounts of fat to store, to store all these, these toxins because otherwise your body would go into a shock zone. Hopefully that all makes sense, throwing out some ideas at you. So this next idea, and really raw food is, is a huge part of this, is elimination diets and elimination lifestyle. A huge part of regaining your vitality and knowing how to rebuild your body is through the process of elimination. So let's look at cleansing and detoxing is also a process of elimination. We have to eliminate all that does not serve us, right, from a life perspective. We have to eliminate the things that are causing us challenges. But from a dietary perspective, elimination diets are very, very helpful in this process because when you eliminate the food allergies, you eliminate the the things that are causing a histamine reaction, um, a digestive reaction, an immune system reaction – then you come back into more balance with your overall state of health, your digestive system, your immune system starts working properly, and you start to understand what no longer works very well. And then that from there, you can start to experiment with what can work. And you're not creating like, you know, you're not creating systemic inflammation anymore. So the elimination diet or elimination lifestyle process is very important to go into the next process, which we're going to start talking about, which is the difference between anabolism and catabolism. So this is a very important idea that I've been uh, talking about for many years. And once I understood this, I realized that most of the cleansing and detox conversation was a little bit imbalanced. We needed to understand catabolism and anabolism to actually construct not just a short-term therapeutic idea, but also how to create a sustainability lifestyle based on the principles of cleansing, detoxing, and um, integration, like the phases of progression. So anabolism is basically the process of regeneration. It's the process of rebuilding, right? So in, in, in fitness circles, in, in bodybuilding circles, Anabolic steroids, for example, steroidal hormones, steroidal substances create a rebuilding or create a growth, right? Now, we could have a conversation around cancer and the anabolism perspective and the steroidal perspective that is associated with hormone-driven cancers. We're going we're gonna to get a little more into that in a later episode. So I'll save that for later. But anabolism is growth. Catabolism is tissue breakdown or the catabolic breakdown of digestion. When you're digesting, that's a catabolic process. Um, Muscle atrophy, the muscle wasting, um, sarcopenia is muscle wasting. 
um, age-related muscle wasting particularly, that's a catabolic process. Now, there is a natural cyclic phase between anabolism and catabolism in your normal waking day. Between about 4 a.m. to 11 a.m., your body is in a catabolic process moving into an anabolic process later on into the day. Technically, when you're awake and you're moving around, you're eating, you're doing your thing, you're burning calories, you're burning energy, you're technically in a catabolic process. Even when you're working out and lifting weights, running, whatever your thing is, that is technically a catabolic process. You don't build muscle tissue until you're asleep. Sleeping is anabolic because it's a regenerative, it's restorative. That's where your body actually begins to heal and rebuild itself. Important distinction. Now, we would, we would liken anabolism to yang in the Chinese understanding of health and medicine, yin and yang, right? Anabolism would be more yang, catabolism would be more yin. Now, between 4 a.m. and 11 a.m., your body is in a natural cleansing cycle. That's why intermittent fasting has become so powerful and has produced so many amazing results because your body naturally cleanses in the morning, right? It naturally is going through a process of detoxing. When, you're, when, you're, when you sleep, you're essentially in a fasting state. Now, when you wake up in the morning, most people's tendency because of social engineering and our, our food agricultural indoctrination is that you want to eat something called breakfast, 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 breakfast. <laughs> um, it really means to break a fast. That's what breakfast is, breaking a fast. Now, my personal proclivity is not to break the fast, especially in, you know, with these heavy breakfast meals, you actually lose energy when you consume food. You have to use more energy than almost any other biological process to digest food. So just let that seep in. Digesting food causes more metabolic energy usage than almost anything else. So fasting and intermittent fasting becomes a very powerful way for your body to go into the deep reserves and start metabolizing old material like in the process of autophagy or autophagy, which we talked about in our last episode, where your body can actually get into those deep reserves, um, metabolize and eat up all that old scar tissue and protein matter and metabolic debris. Um, and that kind of thing, right? So that's a catabolic process. And then we move into more of an anabolic process, building material, eating calories, eating solid food, all that kind of thing. Now, I want to make another distinction here before we move on. Anabolism from a dietary perspective would be likened to animal food. Catabolism might be likened to more plant-based food, particularly alkaline-forming plant-based food, plant food that has more of a cleansing and stripping component to it. So there is this idea that you need to have both components. Now, again, if you're on the vegan, the vegan path, then that's going to be different. So then that might be likened to more higher protein and higher fat 
containing plant food, but just for simplicity's sake and and in, in an inclusive, not an exclusive, but an inclusive perspective, anabolism would be more likened to animal foods, catabolism and detoxification more likened to raw plant foods, not cooked plant foods because you don't cleanse when you eat cooked food. The moment you put cooked food into your body, you stop the cleansing um, process. You stop the detoxification process altogether, right? So that's an important thing too. That's why raw fruit, fresh fruit in the morning can actually be really helpful because it helps the, the, that, that catabolic cleansing cycle along, right? So I want to make those points. Now, before we move on to um, more of this, I want to just finish off this idea by saying you can use this information in your favor. You can use the knowledge that between 4 a.m. and 11 a.m., I'm in a natural cleansing catabolic cycle. What do you do with that? Well, instead of consuming physical food in the form of calories, what you can do is you can also create an anabolic production, particularly through amino acids, free-form amino acids. The amino acids that I think are the best in the world are the Super Amino 23 product from the company Perium, which in the show notes, you can get um, a significant discount through using my code Human Potential. Um, using about 5 to 10, sometimes even 15 free form amino acids. So your body is actually getting the rebuilding blocks, the building blocks and to rebuild itself while you're also in a fasting state. So you don't have to use the process of digestion to break up all this excess material just to get the amino acids. You're getting those amino acids, those free form amino acids right into your bloodstream immediately going right into your organs, right into your tissue, right into your um, immune system. And that has an anabolic effect, meaning a restorative or rebuilding effect while your body is ultimately still in the cleansing phase. Other things to add on to that are enzymes, proteolytic metabolic enzymes to break down any protein deposits, undigested protein, anything like that. Those enzymes are going to be very, very helpful and very powerful on an empty stomach. Another thing you can do is enteric probiotics. Another thing you can do is, well, this is an interesting one. So one of the things I have here is DHA, docosa hexanoic acid, which is the N-chain long chain fatty acid um, for omega-3s. Now, I'm going to make a distinction here that I didn't think about before. Now, if you do DHA, like, for example, the Symbiotica DHA, which I think is the best on the market, and it has astaxanthin in it as a protective antioxidant and um, a few other things. Now, if you do that on an empty stomach, there is an idea that your body might actually use those fatty acids as a form of energy. Now, when you take omega-3 fatty acids, you don't want it to be used as a form of energy. You want that to go straight into your brain and straight into your nervous system to rebuild the brain and nervous system and the protective layering of your nerve fibers, essentially. So you can do your own research. You can play with it. I do both. I'll do it in the morning. And I'll also do it throughout the day and into the evening. So 
you know, just think about that idea, you know, see how that, that, that lands for you. But, um, you can do a DHA all throughout the day. And that's how I do it. I just do it throughout the day, morning, afternoon, evening, and then also hormonally supportive herbs and certain supplements that you're using, doing that while you're in that, that, that morning space, that catabolic cleansing space, because now you're not using calories for fuel. Your body's actually remetabolizing old material and it's going into its liver supply of glycogen, stored sugar, as a form of energy until you get into consuming food, which I would, I would recommend to be something liquid, maybe a smoothie, for example, around 11 or 12, if you can wait out that long. Um, so just wanted to share those ideas with you. Now, the next thing we're going to talk about is eating for your function. Ultimately, my entire perspective around nutrition and dietary strategies is that you got to know what you, you got to know what you're eating for, right? You got to know what is your function. If you are a mother to be, if you're preparing to be a mother, meaning preconception, then you're going to eat a little bit differently. Ideally, you're going to do some cleansing and some detoxing to make sure that when you go into the conception cycle, the first trimester, that you're cleaning out all those toxins because once you start going into the first, second, and definitely the third trimester of pregnancy, you can't do cleansing like you did before. You should be doing detox cleansing or chelation strategies because we're all exposed to toxins all the time, but you can't do that recirculating of toxins dance because now your baby, the, the child, the embryo, the fetus that's developing inside of you is also getting what you're getting. It's getting all of that as well. So we have to be, we have to be intelligent about our function. So, you know, that's an idea. If you're in the first trimester, second trimester, definitely the third trimester, you're going to eat differently than those other stages. If you're in postpartum, then the way you eat is going to be significantly different than it was when you were in those trimesters or preconception. If you're an athlete in a different type of athlete, all sports and all activities require a different arrangement of fuel to serve that athlete's function. You get where I'm going with this? You have to eat for your function. And even cleansing and detoxing is going to be specific to your function. It's going to be specific to your availability. What is your activity? What is your lifestyle? If you're an entrepreneur and you need to be go, 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 then you might have to carve out a week or two to go somewhere where you can do some deep healing and then come back rebuilt, ready for action. So eating for your function is ultimately the, the lens or it's the perspective that I would look through when you're trying to construct um, a health approach. Okay, so with all that out of the way, let's talk about our concluding themes here, the channels of elimination and detoxification. Now, this is something that came on my radar, you know, eight years ago or whenever I really got deep into this, when I started writing my first book, which is now the Holistic Health Mastery Program, 500-page book. At one point, it was a 700-page book, and I was just like, you know what? This is <laughs> this is way too much. This is way too much for people. I need to refine it out. And over the course of a year, I rewrote the whole book, chunked it down to 500 pages, and one of the the chapters is called detoxification. 
And so I broke all these ideas down into simple, easy to understand um, paragraphs. I'm going to read one of those paragraphs right here. And that paragraph is called Understanding the Channels of Detoxification. The body is simply a series of tubes, veins, and arteries transporting blood, oxygen, nutrients, and waste materials for bodily elimination. The largest artery in the human body is the aorta of the heart, which connects down to the abdomen, distributing oxygenated blood throughout the entire circulatory system. The aorta has three smaller branch arteries attached that transport oxygen between the body and the brain. If any one of these smaller heart valves becomes constricted, oxygen transportation will be delayed. The common heart attack is a result of thick, congested blood formed over many years of overconsuming processed starches, heavy flesh foods, dairy products, tap water, and rancid oxidized oils. Atherosclerosis is the result of micro-sized walls of our arteries accumulating too much fatty plaque residue in the form of cooked cholesterol and calcium-forming organisms. The cognitive inhibiting condition known as a stroke, also referred to as cerebrovascular accident, CVA, is simply a blockage of blood flow to the brain. The arteries supplying fuel have been constricted and cannot deliver oxygen. Therefore, the basic motor functions of the brain and body begin to malfunction. Detoxification is the most basic and critical component of self-revival in life. The internal tubing of the body must be, must be kept in the highest regard. When you are clean on the inside, you begin to seek less from the outside world. You become a clear channel for inspired insights. Therefore, cleanliness truly is its own reward. Eliminating waste materials from the body is the key to stellar health and rejuvenation. Stagnant material left unchecked constricts fluidity in the body inside and out. There are five specific organs that deal with detoxification, four of them specifically elimination. Okay, so that's a little bit of an introduction there. There's five organs of detoxification and four organs of elimination. We're going to go through this rather uh, succinctly here. So as far as detoxification, we're talking about the liver, right? Now, the liver is not an organ of elimination. It's an organ of detoxification plus, you know, many, many other metabolic functions, but particularly the liver gallbladder is a detoxification um, organ or two organs really. So let's talk about this for a second here. The liver is the largest glandular organ of the entire human body. The liver deals with protein synthesis, converting amino acids into usable proteins. It deals heavily with our metabolism, producing an alkaline compound called bile, which helps with nutrient absorption. The liver aids our body in its ability to metabolize fats, important vitamins like fat-soluble vitamins, and carbohydrates, which are turned into sugar, i.e. glucose, as immediate form, immediate fuel for red blood cells in the brain. The liver is the great filtration unit in the body, separating out toxins from the bloodstream 
All the food that we eat is given to the liver to convert into usable nutrition or store for later use. All toxins that are ingested pass through the liver and are converted into a less toxic form. Throughout one's life of consuming dense cooked foods, animal products, alcohol, and pharmaceuticals, the liver becomes less effective, resulting in the potential for problems. Okay, so what I want to talk about right now is some effective strategies, particularly to the liver. We're going to move through this very, very quickly here and uh, just get some good ideas. So food specific for the liver, we're talking about things like garlic in moderation, um, camu camu berry, which is the second highest vitamin C con- content um, containing food in the world. Um, vitamin C is very, very important for the liver. We're talking about things like grapefruit, talking things like goji berry, which is high in carotenoids, beta carotene, and contains the highest source of something called TMG, trimethylglycine, which is very supportive for the liver. Also chlorella, avocados, apples, which contain pectin and malic acid, um, cold-pressed olive oil, hemp, coconut, and avocado oil, which help to suck up heavy toxins, heavy metals and other toxins that are fat-soluble and suck those up out of the liver. So, And also MSM powder is extremely supportive for the liver. By the way, the liver is the only organ that I'm aware of that can regenerate itself It's called hepatogenesis. So when you hear the hepatic system, you're talking about the liver, basically. So through hepatic genesis, there's a number of different foods. TMG, trimethylglycine, has its part to play. Beets, beetroot extract, which is extremely high in TMG, and also nitric nitric oxide is extremely – or nitric acid is extremely – powerful for rebuilding, rejuvenating the liver, um, MSM as well through hepatogenesis. So your liver can actually regenerate itself, which is really amazing. So moving on from there, let's talk about the four organs of elimination. We've talked about this in a prior episode. We're going to move through this pretty quickly. We're talking about the skin, which is perspiration, sweating, the lungs, which is respiration, respiring, toxins out of the lungs, mucus and different things like this, Um, the kidneys, which is urination, and then the colon, which is elimination. So the skin. The skin is the largest organ of the entire human body and perhaps carries out the most important function of elimination next to the colon. We have thousands of pores all throughout the surfaces of the skin. Each pore has a cord up to four feet that connects directly to the lymph system. When these pores become congested by by way of poor diet, artificial cosmetics, sunscreen, rancid oils, and jewelry on the body, by the way, which can expel toxins, uh, we we clean out ourselves from the inside out and the outside in. The skin has an acidic pH of 5.5 and will act as a solvent to stainless steel, copper, and titanium jewelry, which contribute to heavy metal toxicity. Every substance we place onto our skin enters into the internal terrain through our pores. 
a bulk of a female hormonal disruption have been clearly linked to inorganic cosmetic and vaginal products on the market. It is important as we move away from inorganic and processed foods, we do the same with topical beauty products. This also includes soap and antibacterial lotions. The skin has an acidic base to ward off microorganisms. If we over sanitize our body, we become a breeding ground for invasive bacteria. Very, very important points to make. Foods specific for the skin are aloe vera. Using the gel topically for sunburn, skin, skin blemishes, and things of that nature, using aloe vera gel topically and then also consuming it internally. Coconut oil, topically and internally. It's the best sunscreen. It's the best skin moisturizer ever. And noni fruit, using the fermented juice topically, and you can use the, the actual gel of the noni if you have access to it. Using it topically is amazing. You can also consume it internally. And then also olive oil. The oil nourishes the skin cells and are also antiviral. Olive oil internally and topically as well. Okay, let's talk about the lungs, the process of respiration. So the breath is where all life begins and ends. If we are unable to breathe naturally and deeply, then we will deplete all other areas of health. The number one most common cancer in the world is lung cancer. The lungs are extremely sensitive to environmental damage, which cause oxidation. The lungs were designed to open up to the atmosphere to take in fresh air, but because of the pollutants, heavy metals, radioactive minerals, and airborne toxins in the air, this causes a toxic residue to coat over the lining of our respiratory tract. The function of breathing is done primarily from the diaphragm muscle, which indicates that we need a strong cardiovascular system through exercise and proper eating. The health of our cells creates oxygen for our blood, which travels to all areas of the body, and much of it has to pass through the lungs. The best way to purify the blood is through grain juices such as sprouts and leafy vegetables. The chlorophyll content in organic dark green vegetables is exactly what our blood requires for easy transportation of oxygen. Vegetables and sprout juices are the easiest way to make an immediate impact on the cellular level because there is no digestion needed. It is pure energy. So we're talking about doing breath work. We're talking about diaphragmatic breathing. We're talking about filling up the esophagus, the respiratory tract, filling up the lungs and all of that with more oxygen, more electrically charged oxygen. So having a breathwork practice, deep diaphragmatic breathing, that kind of thing, in combination with grain vegetable juicing, sprout juicing like wheatgrass, grain um, superfood powders, green grass, grass powders, all of that supports the lungs. So let's talk about food specific to the lungs right now. Oranges, high vitamin C content, increases oxygen support. Green vegetables, kale, dandelion, mustard, arugula, spinach, collards, lettuce, chard, cabbage, cauliflower, Brussels sprouts, broccoli, bok choy, Chinese savoy, lamb's quarters, miner's lettuce, cilantro, coriander, fennel, mint, watercress. 
All of these are extremely alkaline forming, nutrient dense, easy to digest, good amount of fiber, water content, and are extremely enzymatically active. Pineapples for their bromelain enzyme content. Coconut and coconut oil stimulates thyroid activity and metabolic function. Saturated fats help to buffer heavy metal toxicity and built, that builds up in the throat and um, lauric acid, all these different things. But basically, coconut oil is actually very helpful for building up the protective lining of the esophagus and the respiratory lining of our throat. Um, raw honey soothes the throat, the most highly enzymatic food in the world. Lemons, like lemon juice, traditional throat remedy. Um, lemon juice or putting lemons in your, your uh, green vegetable juice or lemon essential oil. Cayenne pepper helps to ramp up metabolism, has antiviral properties as well. So that's the throat. Let's talk about the kidneys. Urination. So the kidneys are the two bean-shaped organs that rest in the back middle of our back, directly underneath the rib cage, one on each side of the spine. The kidney's primary task is a filtration system processing around 200 quarts of blood in order to filter out excess waste products and extra water buildup. The waste along with excess water is turned into urine and exited out of the body by our gallbladder. Waste products can build up in our bloodstream through food particles and scar tissue from the breakdown of our muscles. The body uses the nutrients from our food for energy production and maintenance slash repair. A healthy kidney will successfully extract the excess waste given off from unneeded calories. An unhealthy kidney will not be able to perform this function effectively, and that is when problems arise. Uh, for example... Diabetes is a nutrition and mineral deficiency syndrome that can impair kidney performance. High blood sugar levels due to the body not producing enough insulin or not being able to use available insulin adequately has been suggested as the number one leading cause of kidney disease. The long-term use of over-the-counter drugs or street drugs is directly involved in kidney problems. The, po the popular calcium supplement industry may be one of the most dangerous supplements for this reason among others. A kidney stone is the production of bad calcium formations or excess calcium from artificial foods that contain synthetic forms of calcium used as preservatives. City water and well water are notorious for containing calcium-forming organisms which creep into our tissues and organs. This is one of the biggest causes for kidney disease and kidney stones in particular, gallstones and the gallbladder as well. Um, one more point about the kidneys. When detoxification occurs, the body will utilize the four main channels of elimination, which are the bowels, the lungs, the, the skin, and the kidneys. The state of our urine may be a reflection of the state of our blood. If there is a disturbance in our blood, it will show up in our urine as detoxification is occurring. When our urine is clear, this is indicating that our blood is clean and that at that moment. When we are in a high detoxification state, we may find ourselves urinating four to five or even more times a day. It is important to stay hydrated so we do not fall into dehydration cycles. 
Okay, so that's a little bit about the kidneys. Let's talk about food specific for the kidneys. Raw cabbage, vitamin K, vitamin C, fiber, folic acid, other phytochemicals, raw cabbage. Red onions, not white hybridized onions, but red onions. Cranberries and tart cherries in particular are extremely beneficial for our kidneys. Fresh berries of all kinds. All colorful fruits, all colorful foods, fruits and vegetables are going to be very helpful, very healthy for the kidneys. And then the last thing I have here is spirulina, particularly for what's called phycocyanin, which has been shown in many, many different studies to help repair kidney damage. That's the blue pigment, the blue-green pigment phycocyanin that's in spirulina. Okay, the last thing to talk about here is the colon, which is the elimination organ of elimination or defecation. So the colon is the largest intestine that is responsible for the phases of digestion. Over time, the colon has become extremely burdened by food products of society, picking up toxins, VOCs, volatile organic compounds, plastics, parasites, and fecal matter. Um, We might just call that metabolic debris. The practice of internal cleansing or colonics, colon hydrotherapy, has been administered in different forms dating back to the ancient Egyptians and adopted by the Greeks afterwards. The idea behind modern-day colon hydrotherapy as an alternative healing practice is based on a term called auto-intoxication. We talked about this in our last episode. This condition is believed to be caused when too much food matter has filled up inside the colon, um, causing decomposition, and which then leads to many circulatory problems. Let's talk about... um, So in Victoria Botanka's book, Green for Life, she cites the great health and nutrition pioneer, Dr. Bernard Jensen, who had this to say in regards to health of our colon. Any cleansing program should begin in the colon. In the 50 years I've spent helping people to overcome illness, disability, and disease, it has become crystal clear that poor bowel management lies at the root of most people's health problems. In treating over 300,000 patients, it is the bowel that invariably has to be cared for first before any effective healing can take place. Okay, so what, what's being brought up here is the fact that our colon is really the primary focus in many cases, especially when it comes to cleansing and detoxification. This is why enemas and particularly colonics open system colonics are my favorite, are really one of the most powerful ways to heal yourself and are absolutely essential. When somebody is doing a cleansing program, I really recommend they do it in combination with colonics, detoxing. It will fast track the whole process because everything has to move out through one of these elimination channels. And the biggest channel is your colon. So if that gets backed up, then you're just going to have a bunch of fermented matter. You're going to have a breeding ground for infectious organisms. And you might feel good temporarily, but you're going to have this this 
huge matter of intestinal impactions and colon impactions that has to get moved out and you're going to have all this dehydrate, dehydrated material basically. So doing colonics, doing enemas, I, I recommend getting into colonics. I think it's the most powerful way, but as a main, as a way to maintain bowel um, health, enemas are a great way to, to keep that going. So that's an important point to point out here. Um, to finish us off here, food specific to colon and digestive health, ginger, anti-inflammatory, contains compounds that bind to serotonin receptors, decreasing anxiety and stress. That's very interesting. Cacao beans, highest source of magnesium, soluble fiber, vitamin C, iron and can be used as a laxative. This is also what caffeine is for a lot of people. It stimulates peristalsis, which um, is basically a laxative for a lot of people using coffee as a way to um, get things moving in the morning. Aloe vera gel, noni fruit extract, prunes. We've all heard that, right? Prunes are a way to to get things moving. Um, Raw apple cider vinegar, pumpkin seeds and pumpkin seed butter. These are all very helpful. Many, many other things as well. Wow. There's a lot that we just dove into. And I actually had a few other things on my notes here to get into, but you know what? Honestly, we don't need to to drive into it. It'd just be a lot more information. And we already went into a lot as it is. So, you know, I'd recommend going back over this and take the ideas that make sense to you, implement them immediately. And in my, uh, both in my book, The Holistic Health Mastery Program, and in my online nutrition certification course, The Holistic Health Mastery Program, this is broken down a lot more for you. This, this episode, just like most episodes, is just my attempt to condense and consolidate all of this information so we could just kind of get everything on the table, right? And hopefully it's sorted out in a way that makes sense to you right now. So um, there it is. That was episode number three on season four, longevity strategies, cleansing and detoxification. Um, if you are not currently enrolled in the Holistic Health Mastery Program, I highly encourage you to do that or check out my other online courses. The link is in the show notes and it's also on my website as well. And um, until then, we'll see you in the next episode. Thank you for listening to this week's episode of High Performance Health. Remember the saying, knowledge is power. Well, knowledge is only power when the knowledge has been applied. So before you leave, I want to recommend five basic principles that if done each day will result in physical vitality, emotional well-being, and increased mental agility, as well as overall resilience to all forms of stress. Number one, take 10 deep diaphragmatic breaths each morning when waking up and each night before sleeping. Number two, remember one liter of high quality structured water each morning before eating. Number three, eat only when hungry. Do not eat too much too fast and bless your food each and every day. Number four, close your eyes. Put your hands on your heart. 
and relax your nervous system. And number five, only use phones when necessary. Keep your back upright when on the computer and shut down screen time in 90 minutes prior to going to bed. There you go, my friend. I hope you take what you learned in this episode and create the life you deserve. You can support this podcast by going to www.hhphealth.com forward slash review to give us a rating and a review. This helps boost us in the iTunes ratings and makes this podcast more visible to more people in the world. You can also join the discussion on our Facebook community group by going to www.hhphealth forward slash group. And finally, you can also check out all of my current coaching programs, courses, books, podcast episodes, and more by going to www.hhphealth.com. Thank you for being part of the health and healing movement. And until next time, make the rest of your life the best of your life. Aloha.